I'm always looking to do things environmentally sound. And I'm also think that I have to become more politically active and encourage other people to do so to protect our planet and for our grandchildren, not just our own families, but also people all over the world whose human lives matter and the future to you and future lives matter and people that are young today or not born yet. Those lives are just as important. Doing all these things, I know I said I'm going to carry bags with me and not use any more bags from supermarkets when we purchase things, which we've done in our cars and put them in a car, no big deal. But, you know, that's just a a mere tip of the iceberg or one hair on a a camel's back kind of a thing. We've all got to make remarkably powerful differences in what we're doing and become more active to save our planet for for future generations. Hi, this is Joshua Spodek, and this is Leadership in the Environment. You're not the only one who cares about your impact enough to act. You're part of a global community undeterred by people saying, if others don't change first, then what I do doesn't matter, and other excuses. We've read the science. We can do this. This show is about personal responsibility, acting, and improving your life by your values. As guest after guest says, the challenge was hard, but thank you for getting me to do it. I wish I'd done it earlier. Listen on for leaders to inspire you, hear their struggles, and then act. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast to commit to a public personal challenge of your own. You're not alone, and you don't have to wait for others. This episode is a shorter episode. We talked less about his commitment with bringing bags with him, as he talked about last time, as you'll hear, because he did what I try to bring out in my guests on his own. He shared his passion and his motivation to act. That's what I try to go for, not just what people do, but what drove it and how they feel when they do it. Seeing as he was sharing what I looked to learn from guests anyway, I just went with it. And the parallel between food and his work with it and the environment and the growing movement to act on it seems clear, but I think worth reviewing. Sadly, we as a nation, as a world, as a species, we keep moving toward more disease, more pollution with our diet, with our environmental behavior, but we want to move toward health and toward cleanliness in the environment. You and I can lead. I believe this is our chance. We can't change the past. The world is pretty polluted, but we can do something about it. This is our chance. I hope you feel the passion that Joel does, and I hope that it leads you to choose to act as he did. First, you start doing things personal. At this stage, if you act, you can become a leader that future generations will look back on and say, this person did it. This person was one of the ones who made things happen back when the writing was on the wall. It's a short episode. Let's listen to Joel. Welcome to the Leadership in the Environment podcast. This is Joshua Spodek. I'm here with Dr. Joel Furman. Joel, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. And we were just talking, I forgot to mention, since the last time we spoke, actually, since, I was, since you fed me in your home, I have to say that I've looked back at some of your stuff and I, I was thinking beforehand, you speak a, a lot about the medicine, but you don't speak so much about the joy. And then when I went back and looked, the message was actually always there. And you constantly, you, you talk about how people they struggle with how to eat. And then when they get it, it's so simple and easy and joyful. And to me, I, I wish I'd gotten that message earlier. And I, I don't know if I can add to it any better than you can, but it's, it's, I hope people tune into that better than I did. Absolutely. You know, I have a retreat in San Diego where people stay for two or three months. And the biggest thing they report is that the fog lifts from their brain. They start to enjoy simple food more and they start to develop gratitude and appreciation for what nature has produced. Natural, like 
eating a plum or a cherry or a piece of broccoli or asparagus. In other words, they start to marvel, not just at the, the aesthetic structure, the look, the beauty, but what's inside those foods that for our, to heal our body. And when you show them how to make it taste good and they start to appreciate the healing powers of natural food, they have more respect for what they, the joyous aspect of eating and how miraculously aesthetic, scientific, beautiful, gives us integrity. We eat foods from the earth. We feel good about we're eating it because we're protecting our precious health. We feel good that it tastes good and our taste buds adapt to it. Because most people think, oh, you know, I'd rather die than eat like that, eat so many vegetables. You know, I'd rather just be dead then because that's that's like not living then. And they don't understand that, number one, you, you can learn fantastic recipes, but number two, your taste buds adjust to it. But number three, you enjoy it more, not less, when you marry together great taste with great health, with appreciation for the bounty of the earth and the protection of, the, of our soils and regenerative agriculture, and we grow things in great soil, and we produce incredible, beautiful food that tastes fantastic. And people start to realize it, it brings a heightened degree of, of pleasure to their life, and they feel less fearful, more at peace, and more at one with, obviously, more connected to, the, to nature and, and the bounty of the earth. Yeah, I can't put it any better than you just did. I'll add to it that when I've seen you in your home and it's it's like he's not just talking. This is like it infuses his family life, his home, the this is um greenhouse. It's really if people think this is just health, that's enough. That would be plenty. That would be more than enough. If it was just science, that would be plenty. And it's so much more. And uh thank you for sharing that with me uh, or for letting me see that. So also, we spoke at the end of that conversation about, would you mind re- reminding us what you were going to do in between to act on something environmental? Well, you know, I think that I'm always looking to do things environmentally sound. And I also think that I have to become more politically active and encourage other people to do so, to protect our planet and, to, and for our grandchildren and our, not just our own families, but also people all over the world who's well, human lives matter and the future to human and future lives matter and people that are young today or not born yet. Those lives are just as important. And doing all these things, I'm, I know I said I'm going to carry um, bags with me and not use any more bags from supermarkets or when we purchase things, which we've done in our cars and put them in the car, no big deal. But, you know, that's just a, a mere tip of the iceberg or one hair on a, on a camel's back kind of a thing. We've all got to make remarkably powerful differences in what we're doing and become more active to save our planet for, the few, for future generations. Obviously, it's a finite ship we have. We've ravaged and raped it, and now we're going to be, and the price is going to be, be accelerated with movement, human suffering and human lives into the future. And I think the, you know, we have to become leaders, and our nation has to become a leader, and we have to not just, just be resigned to seeing the destruction of our planet happen, you know? You know, I was, uh, just yesterday, my post on my podcast, I do interviews with guests like this, and I also do solo episodes. And one of the things I, the one yesterday was, a lot of people say, here's one little thing you can do to help the environment, like meatless Mondays. It implies you don't want to do it if you say, here's a little thing. And I recommend, what's the biggest thing you can do? What's something that future generations will look back and say, this person was one of the people who got it started. This was the person who, when, when the writing was on the wall and it was very clear, they said, what can I do for the future? What can I do you know, for me? 
there's a, a huge parallel between food and the environment in terms of our behavior relative to it. When I don't know if I'll get in trouble for this, but when I see obesity, I feel like it's over it's overproduction that the the and overintake that the food has nowhere else to go, so it kind of piles up. And when I walk down the street and I see litter on the ground, or I go to a beach and I see plastic there, I feel like it's something similar. Obviously, it's very different things, and I don't want to overdraw the parallel. But there's something about, and the flip side to both of these things is that the joy of eating fresh vegetables and only, you know, eating eating our G bombs and not getting more stuff than we need is the simplicity that 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 brings to one's life. There's a big parallel to me. You know, I hear you, and I hate to be political, but anything we do is not enough, and we've and we have to change the administration of our government today because if Americans are not leader in the, leaders in the fight to fight destruction of our environment and climate change. We're not going to be able to enlist the cooperation of other countries unless we take leadership roles in doing this. So you're right. We shouldn't be. There's things we can't do anymore. We have to. We can't control the production of petroleum vehicles and, and airplanes. We need. We need a whole countries. We need a whole world cooperation to reduce plane flights, to reduce driving petrol vehicles, to reduce um, destroying our climate, to reduce the production of taking down the rainforests and build and, build and growing more. F- feed crops for animals and eating meat. I mean, obviously we probably, we've got to, people have to probably get, um, you know, we have many completely radical change in the way we think. It has to be maybe even some um, different, um, some benefits to having less children or not having children. We have to have a smaller population. We have to reduce the population in the earth. We have to not be utilizing so much resources. We have to not, we have to develop technology to, to take CO2 out of the environment. We have to stop producing petroleum, using petroleum chemicals. We have to stop um, taking down trees and growing um, feed for, for farm animals. We've got to stop eating meats and, and other animal foods and eat mostly plant-based diets. We have so many things that is necessary we do collectively. And, um, and, we, and we obviously have to get Trump out of office you know, and put somebody with who's more climate change and, and environmentally friendly for the future of our planet and the future of the human race because we're getting to a point of no return if we don't all cooperate and, and when the whole world has to start to cooperate. So there's so many things impeding progress in this area that is, uh, that is very, very serious and even controversial and political, which is really unfortunate that people turn it into a political, you know. Wedge issue, yeah. Yeah, it's so partisan and, and with this political climate we have and people just telling, what is political about wanting to save our planet? Isn't that the most important thing? In, in that we should, isn't protecting our environment, our planet, the most important thing? Shouldn't we all be on the same page with this? You know, I can't, it's hard for me to grasp how people can just ignore it. Yeah, to me, laws on regulating things that pollute, to me, are like laws that, like traffic lights. No one calls that regulation and red tape that slows us down. Of course, we have to stop at a stoplight. We can't cross the double yellow line when, whenever we feel like it. No one says that's a problem because we all benefit from sane traffic laws. And I'm, one of the things I'm trying to do is to try to make depoliticize environment that no one benefits from mercury in the groundwater. There's just zero benefit to it. And after we finish talking, I'm going to send you links to my, a couple episodes of my podcast, if you get the chance to listen to them, because I'd love to get your thoughts on the strategy that I'm doing. I mean, one of the things I'm doing is bring very well-known guests, leaders in their fields, to share their environmental values, act on them, and share what happened because I believe that we have very few role models. Not that that's the only thing that will solve everything, but it's one thing. You know, people quickly point out Greta. Outside her, there's virtually no one who's really trying to keep their emissions below the IPCC recommendations. 
to really live sustainably and share the joy in it, to share what, the way you talked about food, to talk about the, the joy, the connection, the, the aesthetic beauty, and also all that comes with it. Also that I've found that to be the case in a staycation, staying close to home and not flying all over the place. And, you know, the flip side to traveling is, is meeting my neighbors and they're awesome people, turns out. Right. You know, I, I lie in bed at night and I think, you know, if there was a polluter dumping poisons into the town's water and kill people were not dying here in town, but it would travel downstream and kill somebody 50 miles away, it still would be murder, it would still be something horrible. What if it traveled downstream and didn't kill somebody in a different town, but it killed somebody 20 years from now or killed a whole town of people 20 years from now? What if, what if we're doing now affects people 50 years from now in a different locale? It doesn't matter. It's still the same type of murderous intent, the same type of, you know, what we're saying here is that the lack of attention to details that can destroy the future of our planet is still just as negative, whether it kills a person immediately close by or far away or years from now. And I, this is what I don't grasp, that people don't see this issue as the number one driver of political and social decision-making and why people aren't jumping on board to save our Earth. If there was an asteroid headed towards us and was going to kill us in a year, we'd, we'd be all filling out some way to blow up that asteroid because this asteroid is coming it's going to hit us and destroy us and maybe not all of us, but it may kill all of us, it may not, it may just kill millions and millions of people, which is, you know, who's think? In other words, we're starting to see increased risk of death right now from climate change. And that's going to be multiplied a hundredfold to a thousandfold to a millionfold when we start to melt the ice caps and, and the planetary temperatures start to climb, start to skyrocket, you know, in the next, let's say, 10 or 20 or 30 years or whatever. But the lack of concern about this is frightening. And, um, you know, and that people just see what's imme- their immediate needs and not how, and what's, there's no importance to protect this precious planet. So it's, it's just very, very disturbing that other Americans um, don't see and think the way we do. And it's really, it's, it's very, very disturbing and disheartening. Feeling inspired? Do you like hearing others acting that you're not alone? Go to joshuaspodek.com slash podcast to hear other interviews, but even more valuable. Join the growing community of people who care enough to act, not just talk. Read the list of people who have taken on personal challenges and then commit to one yourself. Don't be surprised if you end up loving it, changing more, and finding people following you without you even trying. That's what happens when you improve your life by living by your values. I think something that they're missing is also that, as with food, they think that if they switch, they're going to have like this horrible, you know, what kids think of what the, it's not even what kids think of broccoli, Brussels sprouts or broccoli. It's because my nieces and nephews like it when they actually eat it. But people think it's going to be horrible or they're not going to see any results and they're not going to feel like they're making a difference. And that's when they don't act. When they do act, that's a big hurdle to get over for some people. But when they do act, they consistently report to me, I wish I'd done that earlier. I didn't realize I could make a difference. Now that I've done this, I want to do it's more. It's the same with health. People will rather have a heart attack or get breast yeah. cancer and stop eating pizza and burgers and french fries. They know it's going to cause diabetes, heart attack, dementia, cancer, but they can't control the behavior. And they don't think it's worth it. You know, so they're, in other words, the food is so addictive and it's designed to be addictive that they'll flirt with their own demise, death and suffering rather than eating health, healthier, which could protect them. 
And I, I, of course, am trying to teach people that even medical care causes cancer with all the drugs they give people. And if people knew how futile and dangerous medical care and taking drugs was, they change their diet, but they don't realize that your taste buds adjust, the recipes taste just as good, you enjoy eating more, not less, and you eat to not get cancer. And we have a nutritional science has made the advances to win the war on cancer. Right now, we could stop almost, almost like all, and I'm saying more than 90% of these common cancers could be wiped out, as well as heart attacks, strokes, and dementia. So we have the, we have the knowledge already how to do it. People just don't want to do it. And we're really, there's so much political infighting about this, about diet the same way. It's like, it's the people. And, and of course, it's that people want to do what they want to do. They're addicted to their behaviors. They're addicted to their, you know, their overuse of their use of resources and living the lives there, their type of living. They're not thinking of their own personal health future. They're not thinking of the health future of the planet. And they feel that they don't want their lives interfered with in a way that might be, un- that, that are, you know, they want, they want what they want and they want it right now. Like a baby whining for its bottle. Wah, 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 I want my bottle. Yeah. The entitlement seems crazy. It's just right. There's no, there's no, you know, and, all, and intelligence is all about, you know, we're thinking about intelligence and, and, and natural animals and species of animals is all about their ability to postpone gratification, to do something now that will have you a better life in the future. That's what getting education is all about. It's postponing gratification so you can have a better life. But the same, but right now we have an instant gratification world that's, and there's a lot of other reasons politically and socially where people don't want to change their behavior. They're, they're indoctrinated into having big, large families. Um, they're indoctrinated into the, the, the idea of like this gang mentality that their religion or their nationality or their nation is to be protected at the expense of other people, other nations, other nationalities. So we don't work collectively among all humans to bring life on the planet. We're like fighting each other and trying to, you know, make less of some people and make, you know, and we're trying to defend our own culture and put down other cultures and religions. It's just, it's just really, um, we've got to make radical change. It's very hard to, uh, to do this, but there are, you know, and, and I know we're talking about all this and it's the same thing as bringing a bag to the supermarket, but I can't bring that bag to the supermarket and not think of these other issues that are, that are so large, you know? Well, part of why I want role models to do, why I want to create role models for people is so that they can say, some people feel like if I bring it back to the store, people will laugh at me or something like that. I mean, it's getting a little more acceptable now. I think New York State has banned plastic bags starting with lots of exceptions, sadly. But New York State, I think, is banning them starting March. And I think when people hear, oh, it's not just me. Joel Furman's doing it. Other people are doing it. Then they can feel more comfortable doing it. And then they will also think of like, oh, what more can I do? I hope, I mean, that's one of, am I going to change everything? I can't do it all by myself. But I, I hope to get a bunch of people to start doing these things and feel Oh, I can do more. I want to ask a couple of questions looking at the, the flip side of you've, you've had a lot of PBS specials. You've, your voice has been out there for a while. You must have also gotten a lot of people coming back to you saying, this is awesome. I mean, I've read these things. I've heard you talk about these. But on a collective, do you have a lot of people coming? I mean, your books sell huge. When I first started reading your book, people stopped me on the street. I'm like, that's a really good book. I was like, yeah, it is. So people know, I mean, right. what kind of message did you get back? I've written 12 books. And I've sold millions of books and people do recognize me in airports and public places. And I do have a, I'm very grateful for the opportunity that PBS has granted me. And I've had this opportunity. I'm very grateful for the opportunity. I've influenced a lot of people in their lives and through my work. So I'm, I really, um, so I think that's a, so that's my niche and my specialty is to design and teach people 
what's nutritionally optimal for those people who want to maximize their lifespan and reverse their health conditions through nutrition. And I feel it's been a tremendously rewarding career. Of course, it dovetail into protecting the earth as you protect your own body and health, protecting the earth and the planet too, because eating that way and using regenerative agriculture and using organic agriculture also protects the planet. But adding on to that at this point in human history, if we don't add on to that, you know, the use of the, the, the eliminating of petroleum dependency and production of CO2 in the atmosphere, and then, of course, not eating animal products, cutting back tremendously or not eating animal products, all those other things that destroy our environment for, our, for the future. And, not, and the, the protect, if the protection of the planet can't be married into protection of our own life and our own bodies, it's not going to be great for people's future, even if they take care of their health, because the future of the world will be so hard to even either get healthy food or be, or be able to live in a healthful manner. Yeah, the time, how these things fit together is so integral. I guess it didn't always feel that way to me because I've gone through these changes myself. Now I have to ask, and if this is too on the spot, I can edit this out. And this just occurred to me. Do you think PBS would have a taste for a show like yours, but on the environment? I mean, they do a lot of nature shows, but not of, you know, I hope the parallel makes sense. I think that PBS is interested in science and technology shows, and certainly... They may be in the, in the works. I'll speak to them. Um, absolutely. I mean, my show is a pledge show for PBS, which makes money for PBS. And they, they're glad to air it because I'm a, I'm a successful fundraiser for them. In other words, people who watch the show then donate to the station, buy a package of tapes or books, and, they, and that money is used to keep PBS alive. I've raised, I think, over like $50 million for PBS television. Um, so, of course, they're going to put me back on. And that, but, so they, they do have some shows that don't raise money. And don't have anything to offer people for a gift. But I think I do think there's a lot of people that would support that type of program on PBS, and maybe they can. They, maybe there can be more programming to influence people politically. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, because most of the shows I see are like, here's the science, here's the research. That's very interesting, but it doesn't necessarily motivate people to change. I'm trying to. That's why I do leadership in the environment, as opposed to science in the environment. I have a science background. I have a PhD in physics, but I think people. What will motivate people? Well, I want to be sensitive to your time. I'd like to wrap up by asking, is there anything I didn't think to ask to bring up or anything you want to say to listeners to close off with? Well, I always close with a similar promise or um, encouragement to people with hope, with, regard, with the message of hope. And that is that, that medical care is generally barbaric and makes people get in and taking drugs to what it ails you is, makes, makes your life fall apart eventually. In other words, what I'm saying is if you have psoriasis, I want to give people hope they can reverse that condition and get well. If they have lupus, they can take chemotherapeutic agents for the rest of their life and be in a very dangerous situation, or they can use nutritional excellence and get well. I've seen so many people get well from lupus, psoriasis, rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis, not just heart attacks, strokes, diabetes, and overweightness and obesity, but in heart disease. Those things we know are reversible when a person eats correctly, you know, heart disease and diabetes, of course, are reversible. But I'm also saying these autoimmune conditions, as well as fibromyalgia, asthma, and chronic headaches are reversible. And, and eating right does more for us than just to keep us slimmer and looking good. It keeps us aging slower. It prevents these chronic degenerative illnesses. And it's, it frees us from the need for medical care and medical being tortured for medical tests and being in hospitals. And I think that people don't recognize how much happier, mentally, mental clarity, and being at more peace 
when you eat healthier. So that's my um, ex- field of expertise and my message is that eating healthier has so much many broad benefits that, that for people's lives that you have to that you have to learn and adopt this. And my and the diet style that I've designed to have the to ideally give you the most protection and most disease reversal is called, I call a nutritarian diet. Well Dr. Joel Furman, thank you very much. My pleasure. Good talking to you and good luck to you of course and all your listeners. Thank you. I don't think I can say much more than Joel did, connecting food and his work on it to the environment and the growing movement to act on it and the benefit to us, the personal benefit that we get when we change. And who knows, maybe this episode will result in a PBS show. In any case, if you know Joel's material and missed his message of joy that I heard from him just now, and I'm embarrassed at how deaf and blind I was to it before this conversation, I recommend going back as I did and reviewing it and finding how much he shared about that joy and how much more you can get from it. Well, he says it better than I do, so check out his material. Did you feel inspired too? Then act. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and click to commit to your personal challenge so you can inspire others. Value means better and worse, and living by your values means living better by your values. You may struggle at first, but it's the hero's journey from living by others' values to living by yours. People say that little things add up. I won't argue against it, but what I find counts is acting. Doing something, anything, starts that mindset shift from the debilitating others should act first or making excuses to the empowering I can make a difference and living by my values improves my life. I don't have to wait for others to act first. I'm looking for leaders, people who will bring what works here in this podcast to communities I haven't reached. Billions of people want to change their behavior. There's room for leadership from personal leadership of just yourself to whatever scale you want. Start by acting and changing yourself. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and commit to your personal challenge.